With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On today's episode of the Apex, the podcast, the boys talk to Nine Fever, the content creator and content coach, runs us through some of his thoughts on the content creating process and how people should be focusing their time in the world of content creation. The boys also go through uh, their their week in thoughts of season 16. Last week, we had maybe just been able to play a day. Now they get their full thoughts about season 16. And then the boys roast Finn's legend tier list shout out to finn for for putting his neck on the line there because we torched his list absolutely torched his list but it was really fun very interesting very good analysis about the legends going on and then on the other side of the interview we talk about some of the news happening around the league of algs so without further ado let's get into the show What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Apex, the podcast. The boys are here now. We're actually, uh, I'm not on a road trip anymore, so that's good. I'm sitting back, got my bed in the, get, got my bed behind me, which is great. So that's uh, going for us. And we are here. We've gotten like a full week into season 16. We have all of our thoughts ready to go. We're going to fire them off here in just a moment. But before we do that, boys and girls, Let's talk to everybody in the studio. Finn, Wait, how you I doing? Feel like, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Before you say, before you say, Finn, Wyatt, I feel like you need to go first because you had the longest week probably out of <laughs> all of us about the road trip. I need yeah. highlights. I need Listen. how did the wedding go and all that stuff. You have to go okay. first. It's only right. Listen. So okay, I got so many comments from people being like, "Why didn't you just fly?" I have always wanted to drive across the great United States of America. It's something I've always wanted to do. I enjoy driving. I'm like most of the jobs I've had have been driving. And actually the job that I've talked about in the heart to heart that I'm hoping to eventually leave. I loved that job with all my heart when I used to just deliver parts. That was my favorite part of it. And then they promoted me. And when they promoted me, I told them not to do it because I enjoy driving so much and they did it anyway. And now here I am. Anyway, I'm a big driver. I like to drive. That's one of my favorite things to do. And so I wanted to do it and I did it. And there was uh, there was some moments there where it got pretty, pretty tough going through the Colorado Rockies in a Toyota Corolla running out of the windshield wiper fluid so I could barely see it of a small pocket in the corner window and then almost getting absolutely demolished by a snowplow definitely wasn't on the highlight list of things that I liked and enjoyed about this trip. But there was plenty of other stuff to enjoy. 
the the state of Utah is beautiful. I love the state of Utah so much. Uh, I saw this awesome golf course out there. It's also funny and hilarious that when you're driving through Utah, you see like the most beautiful rock formation. And then there's like a fucking like Les Schwab on top of it. It's just hilarious. Uh, but it's a pretty state. Arizona was cool. The only state I absolutely despised was Nebraska. I think we should just blow up Nebraska and just make a giant water park out of it. It was the most boring thing I've ever seen. I It was it was I hate nebraska i'm so sorry somebody lives there who's listening to this show don't like Dude, you know there you know there's somebody in nebraska right now just chilling like man they're they're one of two ways they're like either hardcore like fuck you or they're agreeing with me just shaking their head be like honestly let's make the whole state a water park you know um but and i think it would still make you could still make all the corn that they make there with it being a water park because all the water would displace out of said park ah, go on to the corn <laughs> Although that water probably has chlorine in it, you know, you know, I'll, whatever yeah. I'll do with that later, the logistics of it later. Uh, but just make it a big water park. Um, also this is going to sound weird. Nebraska has like the blackest sky ever. I couldn't see a thing when I, when an overpass would go over me, I thought there was a bird about to crash into the window of my car, but it was just an overpass. I had no idea there was an overpass there because it was so dark outside, uh, made no sense. Anyway, um, wedding was great. It was cool. Everything was awesome. I drove for 63 hours, 4,355 miles, 13 states because I went there going the northern route. I came back going the southern route, so I didn't go the same route both ways. Uh, I only drank four Red Bulls the entire trip and one only cup four? of coffee. Dude, I have found that if you just drink a shitload of water, it'll wake you up. Yeah, I don't. Called, I can't it's tell. Nature's, it's nature's energy drink (laughs) i might sound (laughs) stupid saying that but maybe it's just me having to pee uh but it keeps me awake so i was crushing water bottles the whole time i did need a few red bulls though on like the 15 hour days um so i did have to do that but it was crushing water bottles i was just crushing what what was our what was the uh like average how how was how much time was in between each stop if you do, I mean, because like when I take road bad. trips, bro, I try to not drink. I try to like purposely dehydrate myself so I can well, get through I, like an eight hour trip with like one stop. But like if yeah. you're crushing water bottles, there ain't no way unless you are just incredibly confident and you're peeing in a bottle while driving skills. But like, yeah, what, what were we looking at? It was it was tough. Like if I, I, I couldn't count how many times I stopped because I, I was stopping a lot. But also that's why I left on Monday with the wedding being on Friday was I wanted to get there. Like I wanted to go there with like not a whole lot of time. Like I didn't have to be on like such a tight schedule. So it, that allowed me a lot more time to like stop and like do different stuff. I also like stopped in Colorado to go to the Denver Broncos pro shop and it was promptly closed and having construction done on it. And then I went to the avalanche shop and that one was closed and having construction on it. So that was just great for me. But yeah, I stopped a bunch of times ju- and most of it was to go to the bathroom. Uh, and so there was, there was some weird bathrooms I stopped in dude in some weird cities. There was one city in Nebraska. I have the picture of the painting. It looks like the girl from the grudge was going to reach out of the photo as I was peeing and grab me and suck me into the poltergeist. It was, there was, there was some what? weird places I went to, that is, uh, but that is very specific yeah. <laughs> it, dude. Cause I was staring at this, this painting. I was like, I'm going to die right now. I'm going to get, I'm the start of a horror movie. Um, but no, I did have to stop a lot of times. And I also tried to do all the different, like, uh, 
like fast foods that I don't have here in California. Culver's, you can't beat it. It's number one. Absolutely S tier. Culver's is the greatest fast food place of all time as far as I'm concerned. Whataburger, overrated, but not underrated either. It's pretty good. It's not. It's just people try to compare it to In-N-Out. It's not even close. Uh, I tried Bojangles, not as good as Raising Cane's. I didn't get to try a Zaxby's. I've heard good things about that. Didn't get to try it. Uh, but yeah, so that's overall my trip. It was awesome, man. I love driving. No tickets, no accidents. I only, the only bad thing was I almost got hit by a snowplow, but he swerved at the last second. So we're good. So that was my trip. It was good. Uh, Finn, you're weak. Dude, so, so astronomically normal, except for, okay, I'll say one thing. And I may have mentioned this before on the pod. But I have gout, and I am a young person, and gout is not very normal in young people, but shout out my genes, um, and I have gout, and so I've been dealing with that this week. Uh, but besides that, oh, I, okay, one thing, I do want to have a discussion with y'all. How do you guys feel about buffets? I used to love them as a kid, and as I've gotten older, I'm like, how are they making this much food? I've like, I've gotten too much like in I feel like I've seen too many movies and TV shows where buffets have crazy things going on behind the scenes. You know? Maybe I'm just overthinking it. Okay. Enoch, do you have an opinion on buffets? It really just depends on the buffet for me. Okay, Truthfully, I agree. Like if it's like because you theoretically, right? Like Brazilian steakhouses. Like, you know, the ones I'm talking about, like the Fogo de Chao type vibe. Those are technically buffets, right? And like that buffet is one that I'm very about. Yeah. Extremely about. But like the ones where it's, as Wyatt says, it's like, I'm getting way too much food for the price that I paid. It just, there's just no way that you can be eating food of quality and substance at I like that type of place. But I mean, typically if you're going to like that, you don't really care. Um, True. But yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not anti buffet, but I'm not like super pro buffet as well. If it really just depends, it's a buffet by buffet situation for me. Yeah. Okay. So I agree. I am very much in the Enoch camp where if I'm talking golden corral, I probably like, I'll get a to go box and leave. If I'm talk if I if I'm going to the this uh, buffet that I went to, say called Tokyo House, and it's like a, a a sushi buffet, very it's like high end buffet, I guess you could say for Northwest Arkansas. I mean, for what it is, and it is delicious. I basically had like four or five different rolls, and it costs like twenty bucks per person. I had so much food, and it was awesome. It's not like sushi restaurant uh, quality, but it's like a little bit below it. But it was worth. Um, but anyway, gout, beautiful uh, buffet. Yeah, that was my week. And uh, yeah, it's, besides that, been pretty normal. Enoch, what about you? You know, it's been a week. It's been, it's had its ups and downs. Uh, I'm overall just optimistic, looking forward to the future, enjoying the now. And uh, ranked situation, cheaters aren't super bad. Um. Was was doing pretty nice there for a little bit. It was like sturdy in the top fifty, and then and then tragedy fell upon me and rebounded from that a little bit. Uh, and you know, I'm just still looking forward to having a nice little grind, uh, putting in the time. But uh, also, I don't want to 
I don't want to put so much time in that I'm not addressing like the other stuff that I'm working on. Uh, so finding like a nice little eight to 10 hour range is going to be something that I'm looking forward to. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to enjoy as, each day as much as I can. I'm just trying to be thankful for, for the process as a whole. You said, you said that you have not ran into cheaters, bro. I have, I have run into multiple cheaters. Bro. I mean, I like, haven't ran into cheaters. Like hard, I haven't, bro. like Walling I haven't hard. ran into like, I mean, like, if I, ha I mean, I've definitely ran into cheaters, right? But like, like not walls, nearly, not, like not nearly at the rate that I like. I'm talking like one, two, three a day, maybe, bro. Last split, it was every single game, and I'm pretty sure on at, at EU or on the EU lobbies that that might be the situation they're looking at. But I would say, as far as like my experience has been, I haven't been dying to cheater cheaters nearly as much. As I was at the end of last split. And I mean, I'm sure that it like right is eventually coming. Like obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic and hope for the best and like maybe it never will. Um yeah, I haven't I haven't been dying to cheaters crazy. Um also learning catalyst a little bit, and so that's been a fun little experience. Oh, we'll get I into think, that, I think. I think catalyst is oh, like we will. broken. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm, saying I'm, it. I'm I'm looking forward to to learning and then exploiting that character yeah oh we'll get into it i've been saying oh. this i think Catalyst oh we is will disgusting i cannot wait disgusting it's mate. Be a fun time anyway yes okay. sir <laughs> uh okay so all that stuff out of the way we had we had some good weeks let's get into season 16 our initial thoughts have now gone by the wayside we've had a week to sit down get in there grind it out, figure out exactly how we feel about the season of revelry. Boys, let's get our thoughts out of the way. Does anybody want us want to kick it off with just what we're feeling, how we're feeling, what's going on with, uh, with season 16? I didn't play last split due to job and just like, didn't have time to be able to put in both the game and job. Then I play. So then I got to play the new season and played ranked, and I grinded from silver one all the way up to D3. And I will say, from like platinum up, like platinum four up, it is sweaty. Like there, I I I think we mentioned this before, but every single player that I've run into is just better than they used to be about six months ago. It is crazy. The skill floor on this game has raised so high for even the players in gold. Like, I mean, it's nuts. Um, and I found myself having to play a lot more zone than just like full send, kill everything in the lobby type of deal. But um, I've been playing a little bit more zone or like half zone hybrid style and then getting my KP late. I will say the Nemesis is absolutely insanely busted. Uh, and it's, it is, I, I know why it, mentioned this earlier off pod and I'm going to steal it, but I'd love for him to talk about it, but it is the best one V one gun. It is insane. If you find yourself in a, like this person is pre aiming a corner and that, and, and you like cross the corner, you're dead in two bursts. Like it's over. Sorry. See ya. Especially if that thing's charged up, bro, you're, you're insta dead. You're like, what just happened? So, um, yeah, that would be my thoughts. I, I also, a great thing that I think that they did, and I think E can specifically talk about this because he has been such a rank grinder, 
But having a new map every single day is very refreshing and it makes it where it's not nearly as repetitive and ranked, which I think gives it a lot more longevity. But that is my initial thoughts off of for ranked. Yeah, I think ranked the uh the map changing thing is just I couldn't agree more with Ben. It's just so refreshing, it's so enjoyable. Uh it makes it so that the different comps that you see on the day-to-day basically are more diverse than we've really ever seen before in ranked uh with bloodhound and seer not being played nearly at the level that they once were uh it's really opened up the amount of different comps that you can play yourself but as well as that you see when you fight and dude oh my gosh just like no horizons it's awesome um and yeah i think with the different maps different legends are stronger on some maps than others and so it really just keeps things fresh and when you're going to have like a, a long season or even like 45 days, like 45 days to be playing the same map, the same thing over and over and over again, that, that just gets stale. But when like when you get like a nice little three map rotation where your favorite map isn't too far away and then, you know, like none of the maps are KC. So that's a plus. I just think it overall has been a huge change. I would absolutely love to still see a ranked rework because right now we're not seeing really how bad the rank system is because like this is a system that as you go later into the season gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, and so it's refreshing to not be in that late game mode of what what, what rank well, gets the to. late game. <laughs> yeah. The, well, no, I know what you're talking about though. like the late stages of ranked. Which right. is the, the it's it's funny enough that I said late game mode when it's literally like the opposite of that because like you have four zo- teams round like two because everybody's running around aping literally everything because you have to get like ten kp in a top three in order to go positive, um, which is just the late game of like the rank season is like not fun and so I'm enjoying the beginning of it, um, and hopefully they'll change it for next season next split uh once because i'm like i'm more than confident that we're going to see another typical what happens at the end of these rank splits um but we'll see what happens i want to be optimistic and but i just i want to hope for positive changes but overall i think we have seen a lot of positive changes and i'm a fan of what they've done uh even a week later still still big fan so yeah nemesis obviously i think is super broken i think i still like there are two guns that when you get shot by them and you don't have them you just feel like there's just like no way you were going to win and if you're like trying to out ar fight somebody who has a nemesis and you have an ar that's not a nemesis it's not a fun time and if you were trying to fight somebody in an smg fight and they have a prowler and you don't have one it's not fun um those guns i think are probably like a little bit too overtuned i think if you took I think with the variety that we have with the car nerf r9 buff i think if we saw a prowler nerf like i think that would even things out really really well because right now i feel like prowler is just the number one smg and it's not close um really yeah you don't really you don't think i feel like the r9 is better than the prowler but the reason why the prowler is better is because of the mag you can just the the prowler is so much more unforget like it's so much more forgiving Oh, I, and the I, fact I, I that probably, you can, I, I can kill two people in one blue mag prowler. Right. Yeah. That's, and that's I don't even have to hit headshots. Yeah. Yeah. That's and fair. so 
I think that, like, yeah, the R9 is good and it's better than it used to be. And it definitely, it, does it have a faster time to kill? I think so. Yeah. Okay, and it has a faster time to kill. That's a faster time to kill if you hit almost every single bullet out of your thing, right. where I just have to, if I hit two good prowler shots, like, you're, you're like in shambles. Right. In absolute shambolics. And I, if I, if I, I can, like, I can miss so much more than you can. I could whiff 15 shots on my purple mag and I could still shit on you. If you miss right. six shots of your R9, you're not one clipping me. And if I have a prowler, see, like, that's the thing. Like, you, you go over to a 1v1 and you have a car or an R9 and they have a prowler. If you miss at all, you die. No, yeah. I, <laughs> you I just agree die. With that. I agree <laughs> with that. And that's, and I think that's what we're like, we're, we're, we're on the same page in that regard. But I think the R9 is still better i guess if, obviously if you it's it's very situational but i think the prowler the reason why the prowler is considered so strong is because of the damage and mainly the biggest thing is how big the mag is and it gives a lot more room for error whereas i would R9 take a gray does. mag prowler over a purple mag nine personally wow okay but that also That's to right. be fair that oh. also could be because that also too could be because right i haven't used the nine like that in quite some time but I've been using the Prowler like that. And so my Prowler, because I've put some, like in the last like two months, I've been using the Prowler way more than I've been using the nine. Like, I'm sure that if I started using the nine like that, I I would get better at it and I'd be better with it. But I still think I'd, I'd like, if you don't hit all your shots, you're dying to a Prowler. I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think we're, yeah, yeah I, we're I think agree. Good stuff. Yeah, um, great in stuff. terms, <laughs> I will say in terms of the, the, the passive on the legends, I will say, I didn't realize that the uh, skirmisher ability would have, like, would be able to tell you, like, packs that have already been opened and all of that, especially, like, and also, like, way before they come down. Because I do think that it is, at least for ranked, probably not going to be nearly as meaningful in comp, but in ranked, it is nice being able to just know. Because like in almost every rank squad, you probably you either have like a wraith or a pathy these days, which is really great to see. I'm a huge fan, um, and I definitely think that's due to like the death of Horizon uh, for the most part. Like obviously Horizon is so strong and good, but we're just not seeing it nearly as much. And just being able to know like oh like the team could have had like you're pulling up on a fight when like somebody took the or you're pulling up on somewhere and like the care package is gone. You're like oh hey guys. Like, you can know that they have a Kraber before they shoot you, which is just a nice piece of intel. Or you're like, oh, they got an armor. Oh, they got a helmet. Oh, hey, this guy is a, th this team has a re. You, like, watch out. Like, I do think that that is way better than I had originally thought. And so I will say that Finn was more right on that than I was. Crypto, I was, I like, my, my dream and my plan on crypto being, like, a, a medic pick would only have worked if I thought there was like going to be like a 30 second cooldown on being able to hit the recon thing, but the recon thing, you can only hit it once and then you can't hit it the rest of the game. And it's not even, you can't hit it once that round it's, you can't hit it. You like you hit it once and then it's just gone. You can't it like, it just does nothing for you. And that just, it, it went from me thinking crypto is going to be awesome to me thinking like crypto is like, Oh, he's still like not that great. Um, and you did see like a f couple of them running around. I know that boy Rambo, 
who I believe is like top three or absolute like worst like top five right now. He's been playing a lot of crypto. Um, yeah, I think that overall the uh, the legend changes and the classes are really really good. We're seeing a whole lot more lobas because of the ability to just save the vibes with the banner grab. I will say something that is risky about the loba because like. When you play Loba, it does make you, you are more inclined to bail out of a fight more often than you normally would just because you're like, okay, like I can just, I need to get out so that way I can keep the banners alive instead of trying to like fight and win the 2v3 or, or 1v2 or so and like fighting with your dogs, with your boys. And that can end up to like a lot of zone gameplay, which spending your game in zone is better than dying and being able to craft your banners is so huge. And I think that, nobody is really gonna like gonna complain about loba being meta because she's like she like loba that's like a good meta pick right because she provides a, a ton of utility to the team but it's not in a way that is oppressive to the people like when you're fighting her like yeah. there's rarely ever a time where you're like oh i just died I'm because loba. that team had a loba like <laughs> gosh where the amount of times where you would be like oh seer i died because they had seer Oh, I got Horizon altered. I died because they had Horizon. Like, I'm so much more in favor of a Loba meta than those characters. And so from that point of things, I think it's awesome. It's great. Uh, I really think that they've done a fantastic job with the changes. Hopefully, yeah. they can keep it up with can the... I, can I... Yeah, what? I was going to cut in real quick. Yeah, cut. To speak with Loba. Cut. I think you're exactly... You're, you're so spot on. She's like the actual version of like a healthy change. Like she is the definition of like, like you said, save the vibes. How many times has a Loba got out of a fight and then got like saved your vibes. And even though you guys didn't get banner, you were able to go on and get like a high placement, high kill win or whatever it is. Like, it's just, it's such a healthy change that isn't oppressive. Like what you were saying. E. And so I just, the only thing that I really was going to add is that it is so it is such a it's a healthy change for the game more than just like an oppressive change for the sake of change. Like Aloba was a change for the sake of okay, this is just overall good for the health health of the game, specifically ranked. Continue on, E. I'm so sorry. No, you're trying. That was that was really good. Um, I think that's about it for me in terms of like. What I've enjoyed about the season, another TDM is another thing uh, that they implemented, and I've been seeing a lot of things. Uh, like they they did implement like a quick change to make it so that it's just one game instead of like the three rounds, which you absolutely love to see how quickly a change like that would be made. Because I feel like if this was like three seasons ago, that change wouldn't be being made until like the end of the split. They're like very proactive. They like made it happen, made the switch, saw a problem, and then addressed it, and then communicated it. And so from that point of things, I thought that was incredibly well done. Um, I I haven't had those lobbies where where my teammates are all backing out really. Um, I definitely think that. Oh, like, oh, bro. You want to okay? That might casual just, corner. Let's that might just in. be a casual thing. Listen, dude, apparently, yeah, because I'm pretty sure it is because like my boy Moose, he was talking about how he was hoping for that he could get like that for like a YouTube video of like a little 1v5 or something. And every time he like he plays, he's playing with boys who are just like squatted, squatted, taking it serious. It, it is. It, it's not even. So my thing is, OK, so uh, I'll start off my thoughts with 
TDM. Not gonna lie, I think uh I think I wish it would have went back to the two rounds thing. And I my uh my good buddy Brian, he brought up a really good idea. They changed it because originally it was supposed to be two rounds. Uh, I think it was first to 30 on each round, wins the round, and then you finish it out. He came up with the idea, you can keep it 50, just make it first round 20, second round 20, third round being like the overtime round 10. So it's still 50 kills overall you have to get to to win the match. I loved the idea of having like a best of three because I just think it's so cool if you start off like down, you come back and win the match. Um, so that taking that away kind of sucked. It just, I think control is just so much better. Uh, it's just more fun. Team Deathmatch definitely, like, after a while, it has, like, a, there's just a void there. And it might just be because I feel like I can never find engagements. Like, it takes forever for me to find somebody. It's, like, such a long time in between my my fights, whereas control with how many people are in it, you're finding people all the time. Plus, it has, like, a control, like, a zone in the middle where it's, like, it's way easier to converge into a spot team deathmatch. It just seems like the only map where I have consistent engagement is party crasher. Cause it's the smallest one, I believe. And then like skull town, people are just getting on top of the, the skull the entire time and just rain and fire down from above, which is like, you're not going to die from that a lot. It's just annoying because it takes somebody out of the equation and it makes it hard for you to consistently like go in there and, and get in fights. But the leaving problem is huge. And I don't get it because it's like, <laughs> there's no stats on this. Like, there's no, like, I understand if people are like, they like, you know, KD used to be a thing in Call of Duty. It was like, if you're having a bad game, just leave. So you don't have to take the KD. I get it. I understand that. There's no stat tracked on, on Team Deathmatch. The only time it's annoying is when you're playing like a full stack of people. But at the end of the day, who cares? Because no stats are tracked. I don't know if I'm like off base for the casual community on this, but it's like, who cares? Just finish the game. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's extremely weird. And it kind of goes to show how much more interesting control is as an LTM because nobody leaves control games. Like it was, it was always like you were having, you were having the matches. Same with gun run. Um, I don't know. It's, I like the idea right now. I'm, I wish either it had a little bit more, maybe nine V nine, um, like control instead of six V six. So we could get more engagements and stuff. Uh, and, and remember to the people out there who are feeling the same way I am with control, they had like five or six iterations of it. This is just their first time implementing it. So there is plenty of time to make adjustments and changes. Cause they made a shitload of adjustments and changes to control too. So, um, but I, I like, I'm not going to complain too much because I've been begging for Team Deathmatch. I just hope that they make some necessary changes moving forward so that it feels a little bit more complete, a little bit more full. And I'm sure they're going to add a lot more maps too. They have all the other uh, arenas maps, rest in peace, uh, that they can throw in there. Um, but yeah, those are my initial thoughts on arenas. As for the rest of it, boys and girls, you better toss those Ultic cells on the ground because me and Ash are back. I'm stacking four of those sons of bitches, and I am ulting like every 15 <laughs> seconds, okay? Me and Ash are back in the saddle. I think the Assault class is the best one. That that may just be my casual brain, but, like, I can carry so much fucking ammo now. 
at no, all No, I'd times. say you're right. No, assault class yeah. is insane. The extra ammo. And, bro, those pills are juicy. They're so good. The pills, they are They're juicy, so good. I, I got, like, a, a mag laser sight and a digi for a prowler. Like, and I was just like... Bro, I like no, you it's not your casual Dude. thing. I like a no assault class. I think, yeah, you're right on that 100%. I will agree. Assault class is the best passive for sure. And also, they mark it on the map now, so like that is such an awesome touch to have because with the blue pills, they never they never marked them. Like it was, I mean, it was only Lifeline who was getting them, so I get that, but they didn't even mark it if you were playing Lifeline. like they mark it on the map you know where to go teams are like we, we are full-on going through the rotations based on like where these pills are going to be which is just awesome to have um so me and ash are back not only am i back with ash because i love her passives that she got from the assault class i saw through the pipeline that she could be getting the next heirloom after this uh this wraith one that they accidentally released which was also hilarious on the first day of launch accidentally putting in the the new wraith heirloom but um i'm hearing ash could be getting the next one they scrap from my sources not from anybody else on this show this is if you guys listen to grab my banner you know who my source is um from my sources there they they're moving back to horizon one pushing the ash one forward which means ash is going to get a crazy buff here pretty soon and so why not get good with her now and then take the buff when it comes and then i'm already in there i'm already ready to go so me and ash have been playing a lot and uh watson is awesome but i like to play offensive watson uh i like to get up in the face of somebody and then drop my ult and then like put two fences down I've been in the fight for five seconds. I haven't shot a single bullet yet. I'm just setting up. And then I get in there. They can't throw grenades at me. And I'm healing up my shield as it goes along. Uh, so I've been doing that a lot. The nemesis absolutely shreds. And and what Finn said um, about me earlier off pod, I think as far as just if it's a clean 1v1 situation, the nemesis can't be beat. Other guns beat it in the form of like if you're having to spray transfer, like if you got two guys on you, I, I think it's not as good. Well, obviously not as good, but I, I think there's like a lot of other guns you'd rather have than that. But the nemesis in just a clean 1v1 situation, I like it's so hard to beat. I, it's just like, especially if they're un, unsuspecting, you could get like an instant knock. It's it's crazy how gu- how good that gun is, but I don't actually think be- because of the ability it has to not be able to like spray transfer. I don't think it's like super oppressive. I think it's just a really really good gun, um, and it's hard to be in that category because it's always on like a knife's edge when you have guns like that. I don't think they should have nerfed the R three hundred one at all though, because it's like what other assault rifle is going to compete at this point? At least in my mind, like you could have left the R three hundred one with that damage. And it still wouldn't be as good. Like it's, you'd still rather pick up the Nemesis, I think. Uh, but I think they were just really wanting people to try out the brand new gun. So those are my thoughts overall. The rank changes I'm really excited about. I love the fact that you can have like multiple different maps in a day. Um, I think I don't know why they didn't think of that sooner. Seventy days, seventy days on one map. I think they learned their lesson on that. So overall, I'm just really loving season sixteen. It really does feel like a brand new era of apex legends especially for the people who've been playing since day one it feels like they've completely transformed everything and we are back in a big way season 16 is awesome i love it i love it 
Um, boys, Finn, our man Finn, he came up with a legend tier list. Now, why is this important? Uh, it's important because a lot of well, times, it's not. <laughs> no, it's important. No, it's important because you are putting your neck on the line. We are about to go through your tier list here, and we either, we are either going to roast you or we're going to agree. I would probably lean more roast because I looked over at the list and I saw Ash pretty low down there. So I'm going to have some arguments, but we're going to go through this list. We're probably going to post counters. it as well, and we're going to go through and talk about where the legends sit in this tier list so is this for what what is this is this tier list for like ranked comp just for this is like this is Both? probably more comp than i think ranked because i think ranked you could probably swap out a lot of the like crypto wouldn't be a plus in ranked in my opinion like i think you could throw in i think you gotta drop loba would be s tier a tier what you gotta drop watson heavy Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. This is I'm more a, of a comp. Yeah, this is more comp. Than, this is a comp. Okay. Here, All right. So yeah. let's let's go through it here. I want you to start off with your S tier. Give your explanation. We're going to go through each tier. I want you to give your explanation first, and then me and Enoch will chime in with how we feel. I'm going to go from. You guys are going to go comp, right? I'm going to go casual yeah. perspective. I'm That's just going to hit the That's casual fine. perspective. So go through. Let's start it off with the S tier. Who you have in there, and so, uh, and for what reason? Yeah, so we're starting with S plus. So S plus is like very busted, and the reason why I'm, it's only one character and it's Valkyrie, and the reason why is because that ultimate is unmatched. Like there's nothing like having a Valkyrie ult just at your disposal in a ranked setting is ridiculous. It is the definition of macro rotations, and I just think there's not another counter like. There's nothing that you can quite get with a Valkyrie than you can with other legends um, at the same degree. And so that's why I have it at S+. Plus. It could definitely go down to just S um, in competitive, but yeah, that's my thought. I have no qualms. No qualms from me. You have qualms? S+. Plus? She had like a 90% pick rate. At uh, champs, S plus. Th there's what they didn't change anything to her ulti. The only thing is like, <laughs> this I is mean, why dude. I said it was brave of you, bro. <laughs> this is why I S said it was plus? brave. I feel. I mean, what were people? Did people? Were there a ton of Valks in the in the in the scrims tonight? There did was you? like 50-50. Fifty fifty. Oh god, Here, I mean, on, that's, I a, that's way lower. That's way lower than ninety. You know what I'm saying? Valkyrie was 51% total tonight okay. in scrims. 51%. Yeah, I don't know about S+. Plus. I'm going to keep it a buck. I mean, like, I think she's strong. I think she's good. Um, I think in terms of, like, abilities that a character can have, like, they're definitely up there. I don't I don't know if I'm saying Just, S+. Plus. Then let's put her in S, then, because she's still the number one picked character in the game, so okay. competitive. So I thought it was Wraith. Or am I thinking of just the overall? That's I saw, the overall I saw pick. Okay. And just, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But yeah, Valk's number one. Sorry, let's we'll we'll, we'll speed it up. I actually S no no hold hold up hold up. I, just to go off that point, I think what Enoch has to say is actually really solid because with the way the meta is set up right now, I don't think there can be just like an S plus absolute. You have to have this legend like there was in seasons past because if it's at fifty one percent, they're probably doing a pretty good job of balancing everything you know 
So it'd probably just go straight S. Yeah, that's probably, yeah. That's a great point. I, I also will say, this is the first night of real pro scrimps. So like, I do think that this will change. This will vary probably even by the end of the week, right? So this is just my first thoughts off the initial. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It could go even higher. It could go back. It could go lower in where it's not the number one pick anymore. But I just think that ulti is so strong. Okay, S next pick would be Watson. And like Enoch said, uh, this is not a ranked pick because no one's running Watson in ranked. Why have you seen anybody run Watson in ranked? Yeah, I've been running Watson. Uh, I I play OW. You- I play OW offensive Watson. <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. I, I swear I do. Well, I, I I don't. I mean, I think in competitive she's S tier. In ranked she's probably B or A. Just because no one's running Watson right now, like you're crazy. If you're Definitely running Watson B ranked. tier. If I'm not, cra- yeah, call me I crazy. Mean, B. Like Watson <laughs> yeah. is just not it in ranked. Just not it in ranked. And then uh, next is Seer. He's in the S tier. Uh, yeah, he's just really strong. Doesn't really matter about the changes that much. Like, yeah, he's harder to play, but he's still busted. So, but guys, just because Finn says that does not mean that you need to play Seer. Okay. Correct. No. The game yeah, is more actually, fun without Seer. Yeah. So think of him think of him as being C tier. Maybe drop that charge C-tier. rifle too. Yeah, drop the charge. Maybe, maybe think yeah. about that. Stop. Guys, okay, so like a lot of people are gonna go around saying that Sears still good. It does Don't not matter. It does not matter if they are right or wrong. <laughs> Do you wanna be part of the problem or part of the solution that we already have at the moment? And so as long as everybody, because like, right, if nobody's running Seer, nobody is really going to be like, oh my gosh, we have to run Seer. But as soon as like more and more people start playing Seer, guess what? It's just going to not be fun. And so we all need to, uh, dude, I swear, as a podcast enjoyer, you better not, you better not, regardless of where Ben puts this guy on his tier list. We better not be seeing Seer players coming out of coming out of this pod. No that way. Is, we do not. We do not stand Seer players or enjoyers. <laughs> okay, continuing on. Uh, <laughs> Wraith is also an S tier. I think with the change to the the portal, it just gives her a ton more macro, a ton more rotations, a lot more options for the teams. Um, and she's pretty much not played on edge. I wouldn't play her on edge, but. The hybrid zone teams, I, I I would really think that she shines really well. I've seen a lot more Wraith in rank too. E, have you seen mm-hmm. have you seen that? Yeah. I think so, that has uh, more to do with Horizon really not like demanding a spot so much and it frees up that role. And it and like the port is like super, super fun, super crazy. That thing is long. Uh, but I definitely think the reason that we're seeing more Wraith is not only just because of the buffs, buffs that she received, but more so due to the nerfs that we saw from Horizon. That's a great point. I love that. That's a really good insight. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. And then the last per- the last legend in S here is got to be Bangalore. I think Bang is super strong. You saw it a lot. Lan, still going to... like. During Pro League, she was the number three played legend. Or, uh, number three played legend during the uh, the scrims tonight, during the new, you know, 
practice for a new split. So I, I think just an overall great pick. Who would have thought we could do no changes at all to, we know buffs, no, no nerfs to her kit for forever. And she's still busted right now. So it really just goes to show like how big perception has because everybody other than Shiv perceived bang as just this decent character. Who's like not, who, who was always viewed as not being very good. And like, as you said, literally nothing changed, nothing other than people using her more effectively to just put her from being like, I feel like in previous seasons, she would be viewed as like a B or a C tier legend. But now everybody's like, yeah, she's S tier and we're all going to play her in pro league now. And so it really like that boy, Chef, he was, he was right all along. So, okay. Continue on with the, the list, the A plus tier. I got catalyst. I got Maggie. I got crypto and I got horizon. No Pathfinder, huh? No, no Pathfinder in A plus tier. Yeah, I definitely swap Pathfinder for Crypto. In in competitive too? I really think the ability of only being able to scan a beacon once just absolutely just kills it for crypto. Because like if he was gonna be like if he was gonna be able to just scan it every round, I could see him being A plus. But the fact that you scan one beacon and that beacon's dead to you, I just think there's just no way you can put him in A+. Plus. Yeah, but how valuable is that info that you get from just having a drone without having to move your like move from where you're at to see where teams are around you? Like, I mean, that yes, info that, by itself that is info so strong. That info is huge, but, how, but you also, it depends on how many beacons you're going to have the opportunity to run into on your path to zone, and you're giving up a lot of fighting capability like the EMP can go well, but if you get pulled up on like that, you like you basically are playing like a dummy character. But I do think that the, the, the buff they did to his initial pulling out the drone is huge for that. And I think that that's big. But I just I personally like I just can't see him as a plus. And I think that's it's fair. like absolutely criminal to not have Pathfinder and a plus, like given the fact that. He gets his zip line so, whenever he looks at a care package. And so and all you, you gotta do is you, look. That's you, so you crazy. Like, like you literally you see a care package is coming down, you just shoot your zip wherever, whatever direction you're wanting to go. You literally just look up for two seconds and then boom, you get it again. Like it's that so is crazy. just so insane that I I I don't get how he's not like I guess for comp meta specifically. He could be more A, but I think for ranked, he's got to be either like A plus or S. I think okay, he got Pathfinder criminally low. I'd love to see Maggie in that A plus because I think Maggie, especially with the buff and shotguns, she's doing really well. Uh, she, we're seeing a lot, lot, lot more Maggies. And I think Catalyst is definitely in a good spot there. I think I could see that as people learn how to play the character more effectively that catalyst could make that move to S tier. Um, but we'll see what happens. I think that it's just like, she's cracked. Very strong. Very nuts. She controls uh, the fights, So she's the best dude, controller of fights. I, I like, yeah, no, just like the way that you can like block people off. Like I had such a good catalyst like moment when I was fighting naughty slayer and chaotic. And it was so funny. 
was chaotic got so mad after but dude it is so like just the ability especially in buildings just be able to like lock off doors and then like place your queue and make positions unplayable or like ha- make it so that like, they have to shoot it out if they're really going to press through is just way stronger than i had initially thought and i'm excited to continue to learn the character and horizon i don't i think a plus is strong but i also i don't want i don't want to see apex the pod enjoyers start playing horizon user because she's so strong uh let's 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 keep seer and horizon regardless of how good they may be out of this game because it is a better game without them and i think everybody can agree i agree with that she, she's definitely gone from the entry fragger to more of like a hardcore support anchor which is really good that's why where she needed to be the whole time okay a tier caustic bloodhound rampart loba newcastle pathfinder fuse and vantage what did this i comp- ever do to you what did i ever do what? to you for you to put rampart above ash in a fucking tier ranking what did what did i what have i done to you I feel like I've been a good friend. I feel like I've been a good pal. And you're going to put Ash <laughs> below Rampart, bro? you put fucking Ash below Rampart? I, 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 dude, I truly think, actually, I think Rampart is going to be played quite a bit. I think people will figure out her kit and like actually utilize her. She's a bit more riskier than all the other controller legends, but... I don't think it's going to be played in North America. Don't get it twisted. I don't think North America is going to be like willing to do that. But I think in other regions, people are going to start running Rampart as like one of the top tier controller. But I think all controller legends got a huge buff, like every single one of them, because they're the only ones that can scan a beacon to see where next ring is. So in competitive, that just automatically raises you up. But I'll tell you why I don't think Ash is that good, but we can get into that in a second. But yeah, do you guys see anything? Obviously, Loba would go up higher in ranked, but in comp, she's kind of a niche pick. But anything else you guys that see that strikes some concern? I have just a little... Oh, sorry. You got it. I just have a little quick fun fact about Bloodhound that I read from my boy, someone who leaks on Twitter. He basically said, if you see a white raven and you scan it, It'll give you the same effect as interacting with the Raven, but you also get your scan back after you scan the Raven. Just a quick fun fact out there. So use your scan. Use your scan as long as the Raven is on in On the you'll Raven. Get it. On the Raven. You'll get the scan back, yeah. and you'll still get the effect of the White Raven. You don't have to go all the way up and interact. So fun fact, if anybody out there is using Bloodhound, uh, Enoch. That's a great fun fact. I think, yeah, I think that that change to Hound is definitely a good one. I think that Rampart definitely needs to be lowered a little bit. I know that Finn defended that already, so I won't really go too in-depth. Vantage, I just, I can't put an A tier. I just, I just don't see it. I don't, like, I don't get how you can put Vantage in the same list as Caustic or Hound. And you, I mean, I'm still tired of it. Like, you can't have Vantage and Pathfinder in the same thing. Like, that's just, like, get a grip. Um, <laughs> Damn. But, like, Fuse, <laughs> I don't know how I feel. I definitely could see Fuse being in B tier. Like, I do, okay, you got to explain. Why is Vantage here? Why? <laughs> he I, I think he Vantage. Get over it. Okay, here's why. Here's why. 
her her being able to scan and see where people are, I think, allows her to her kit to actually be utilized a lot more. Like, because you can set up in areas if you you can see a team is rotating through a certain POI, you can set up in a certain spot and be like, okay, you can actually utilize her sniper to be able to set up traps. In my opinion, like for long range. That's just my thoughts. Obviously, it can go down to B. It's the last one in A tier for a reason, because I think it could go down to B. But I think that if used correctly, you can set up for a nice little ambush using advantage. Let's put her in B. You know what? You know what's really good for an ambush would be like an ultimate where you can get your whole team through like, I don't know, like a one way portal. And maybe you put it like behind a team or something. And then they can go through the portal and they can't get shot at all. And like it's, it, you put some distance on it. Maybe you slice the reality with like a sword and then you end up behind them. I think that would be like a good ambush, ambush tool, in my opinion. <laughs> Where advantage belongs. <laughs> and then last, well, I got C tier and that's Octane. I think Octane's legitimately the worst legend in the game. Um, I, I know Mirage is below that, but I actually think Mirage is actually better with the change to his red, like revive giving you invincibility, invisibility, by the way, that's busted mm-hmm. you and the person that just got res invisible for three seconds. Come on now, son. Like that's nuts. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Octane's dog meat. There's just so many better legends that do it. Also, the reason why I put Ash in B tier, let me, why, let me explain. I think okay. the distance is horrible like i think if they added distance to ash ash would instantly be like a plus tier but i think because of you that you don't think it's the tactical i mean the tactical is trash too but you don't like i think the ulti is just too short of a distance i i mean i would take it i thought it was okay but i would definitely take more distance i i would rather have like a really bet like a better tactical like the time to pull it out i think is too long and I mean, it's so easy to dodge at any distance longer than like ten feet. Yeah, you I know. Agree. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, Octane's interesting as well because remember when he first came out, how bad he was to start off. Like he was fun, but he wasn't good. And I also think it's hilarious how bad Mirage has been his entire tenure as an Apex Legend, to where Finn goes, Octane's the worst legend in the game. Anyway, here's Mirage below him. <laughs> like, Mirage has been <laughs> bad for so long. You just get used to it. You don't even view him as like a legend that can be good. He's just always in the basement. He's just always in the basement. And that's okay. You need some basement legends. But yeah, that'll conclude my tier list. I thank you. I appreciate you two boys talking it out with me. Because I think, I think there's definitely some errors that I could change now. This was made a little bit ago, but this is just my thoughts. And now that I see it, I would make another one and I'd change a few things. But there we go. We're on. We're we'll, have all much... a, we'll have to have a postseason Fen yeah. ranking. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll do At that. the very end, we'll, we'll go back through <laughs> and see. You, we'll go, have you go through your original one and be like, okay, this is where I was wrong. This is where I was right. I put it, should, should have put this person here. I, I would also like you to be more harsh on the names of the tiers. Like, I want to see an F on here. <laughs> okay. I want to see an F. I want to see a D. Okay. Um, but yeah, overall, great, 
tier ranking list. If you guys want to see the actual list and make your comments on it, you can always jump into the Discord, which is going to be in the link down below. You click on that, click on Discord, hop on in, and you can send us your thoughts immediately. We will have it in there. Boys and girls, we're going to send it on down to our interview with content creator slash coach Nine Fever. It was very interesting, very cool interview with Nine Fever. We're going to hit a quick ad and on the other side, Fever. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. We are joined by our friend, Nine Fever. He's sitting over here, content creator slash coach. Very interesting. Very, uh, very... I think we're going to see this field kind of sprout up more and more as time goes along because a lot of people are making content. Whether you work a full-time job or you don't, people are making content. They're making things that they want to see and kind of like, in their own way, plant their legacy. So Nine Fever, how are you doing, man? How are you feeling? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, guys. It's an honor. Oh, no. It's our pleasure. And I think it's such an interesting thing to talk about. I wanted to start off with, I think, the best place to start would just be... How'd you get into this? And 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 when did you start noticing that your passion was designed towards not only creating content, but also helping people make it? Yeah, that's a really good question. So like you guys, I started by, you know, playing Apex. I was a gamer for a long time, played Fortnite a little bit before Apex. Wasn't crazy into it, but over time, you know, I started playing Apex, going for Pred. Never got it. I, I hit it, but I never kept it. And so, you know, it's funny. During that time, about two years ago, I became obsessed of the idea of what a viral video is. Why is it that person A and person B can post the same exact video? Person A reaps all the benefits. They get millions of views. You know, person B, they only get a couple thousand. And I became so obsessed with this. And I actually tell this story to the people that I coach and the people that, you know, in my community, I... About two years ago, I made 13 anonymous TikTok accounts. All of them, you know, obviously I couldn't have the same username because you can't have duplicate usernames. They all had the same profile picture. They all had the same bio. They used the same hashtags. They all had zero followers. And what I would do is I would take one video. I would make a singular video and I would make that one video 13 different ways. So some would have a white font, some would have a blue font, some would have a big face cam, one would be 1080p, one would be 936p, one would be an excited energy, one would be a more calm energy, one would be a super reserved energy, one would be kind of a chip on your shoulder energy. And I would take these videos and I would post, 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 and I would wait 48 hours. And one by one, I would log into each one of the accounts and I would look at the results. Okay, this one got 200 views. Okay, this one got 270 views. Okay, this one got 100 views, but two comments. Okay, this one got 500 views, six likes, no comments. And I became so goddamn obsessed with it. 
and I would do it every single, every other day, I would do it for about eight months. And after this eight months, that's when my obsession of making viral videos, viral content, coaching really came into play. And it was after the results of those different sort of mediums that I would work in where I got the ambition to start my own coaching service. And that's kind of where we're at now. Sweet. So you, you talked a lot about just like your obsession and like how you view things like that. Um, you know, specifically with social media, it, it reminds me a lot of an interview that I heard with Mr. Beast and Joe Rogan. And mm -hmm. he talked about how him and like eight other buddies, like would get in a discord call and just start making YouTube videos and try and figure out, um, the algorithms and like what content people like wanted. And it just made me think of how Mr. Beast said that he was just so obsessed with like becoming viral and figuring out all that stuff. It was like a game to him type of deal. Yeah. And so, and yeah, hundred percent. And if I could, if you don't mind me interjecting, yeah, you know, dude, you're good. It, Go. That's exactly what this is. Yeah. It's and perfect. you know, it, it's interesting because I actually relate to Mr. Beast a lot. We're, we're, we're very different in a lot of areas, but I, I get the obsession part of him. I get the idea of making videos that are reached by a large audience. I have very similar, you know, mindsets towards that. And I actually watched that same interview that you're talking about. So I know exactly what you're, um, you know, what you're implying. But I, I think the biggest thing is just learning just through time and time again, what actually gets people to engage with you, what gets people to comment, what get, makes people like, share, subscribe, talk to, you know, each individual, especially with the, the younger kids, man, because, you know, you have to be smart about the kids that are still in high school, you know, even college too, but mostly that that high school genre is an interesting one, especially in the gaming scene, because you have to learn how to manipulate the times within their days. So an example of this, and I talk about this in, you know, my coaching service too, is, you know, the idea of the bus route. So if you can think of a singular time during a weekday where almost every single kid that is in grade school is on their phone, the bus time is pretty solid time to bet on. And so what I would do is I would learn how to what times I would post so that there where there was enough shares and engagements on the particular videos. So I knew I knew if I posted a certain video when they were going to their locker, the bell just rang and they were going to their lockers and they were getting their backpacks and they were getting, you know, their assignments and their their planners all that time, the details, the seven minutes, eight minutes, how long does it take for them to walk to the bus? I knew if I could get a video circulating, only even a 500 views, you know, somebody with a following that I have, not too crazy, not too low either. I knew if I could get it in that sort of pocket and time it perfectly, that I would have that audience and that demographic. So every time those kids were on the bus, they had 30 minutes and I had to make sure that the content was addictive enough so where if you watched one of my videos and you were into Apex Legends or any game, that you would continue to scroll over and over and over again. And so I learned how to manipulate that. So when you bring up Mr. Beast in the interview that he has, I, I do understand that very much. So I understand the obsession and I understand the kind of drive that he had in the community that he had in order to get the things that he was working towards.
Okay, so very interesting stuff there. Uh, and if you want to figure out where exactly you can find this class, it's at Fever's Mind on Twitter. And then um, there, there's going to be a link in the description there to check it out. But there's a lot of different things that you can learn just from following that class. So you brought up the class a few times and and how how it's been going for you. Like, how has coaching been? Because sometimes it's it's not just like creating the video when you're trying to teach other people how to create it. I'm sure that comes with a lot of different personalities, a lot of different types of people, and probably a lot of different types of content too. How has it been managing? How has it been for you trying to manage all of the different things that come at you when it comes from not only making your own, but helping others? Yeah. So it's easy for me. And the reason it's easy for me is because on a fundamental level, I am, I genuinely believe at the bottom of my heart that what I am doing right now, I have literally been put on this earth to do. I could honestly say that. I could honestly say that everybody in the world has a gift. Some people are really good at cooking. Some people are really good at swimming. Some people are really great athletes, artists. I can genuinely say with every part of my being that what I am doing right now, I have been put on this earth to do. Call it God, call it the universe, whatever you believe in. This is my gift. So when you ask, how do I handle those things that are thrown at me? I don't, I don't even think of it in that way because I just know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I think, you know, something interesting that I will say is prior to starting it, what I would do is I actually signed up for six courses. I signed up for six courses, not because I wanted to learn anything because I just wanted to see what they offered. And I, after signing up with six, they were pretty much all the same. You sign up, join you get the same bullshit PDF that they just shove right in your face. Once you get in there, you don't even start talking to the guy or girl. You don't even have a relationship with them. They give you this PDF step one, step two, step three, step four, and it's so lame. And so what I decided to do is I made sure that no matter what instance that I was in, I would coach everybody individually one by one. That was incredibly important to me. I want everybody to talk to me. I want everybody to have a relationship with me. I want people to know that they can DM me. I want people to know they could ask questions. And I don't coach two people the same way. So how I coach person A, person A's goals can be completely different than person B's goals. You know, I have people that come in there and they want to develop a community. They want to build a community. They want to have people that they could talk to, reach out to, and have these conversations with. And then I have person B that comes in. They just want to get more views. Like they tell me straight up, they're like, Fever, I just, I want a million view video. I have not had a million view video yet. I want one. And I said, okay, here's what you're going to do. And so that's kind of the biggest blessing that I have, right? Is because I can tailor everything that I have learned throughout these years to each individual. So that's generally how I go about managing it. And, you know, it's up to them and what their goals of what they want. You know, I, I'm very good as, as much as I do like to talk and have great conversations. I also believe that I'm very intrinsically a great listener and I can really capitalize on the things that you believe are going to set you apart from other individuals. So when I hear those things and people tell me their goals, they tell me the things that they want to improve on, the things they want to change. Okay, I really like how these videos are, but they're not getting enough views. Why aren't they giving enough views? Am I providing enough value? Is there something I can do to get more viewers? I'm, I'm at 30 viewers right now. I want to start getting to 50, 60, start pushing uh, Twitch partner. That's a great example too. What are the things we could do to get that additional 45 people to not only come check your content out, but also stay 
And so that is kind of the, the approach that I have is that I just don't coach two people the same way. Okay. So, uh, I wanted to go back a little bit back to something that you had mentioned before where you were making the, all the different accounts, right. And you were trying to see, okay, well, this one got a hundred views, but it also got two comments. I kind of locked on to when you said, but it got two comments. Is that something you're looking more for when you're creating content is less the views, more the engagement? Is that kind of more the way you want to go? People are more inclined and I there's four specific emotions that I teach about four specific ways that you could present yourself. And I'll give you two right now. People are more inclined to follow someone that represents calmness and confidence. Those are two intrinsic things that humans have developed and animals too, which I'll get to in a second. Those are two intrinsic biological developments that we have had through generations and generations and generations. We are more inclined to follow those people. So it's interesting when you say that because it's not, oh, this video got two comments. It's what was the energy of the individual that allowed them to engage with that. Because as I mentioned, although I did 13 different videos, 13 different ways, most people would default to a format. They would default to, okay, I'm going to try a different font. Maybe I'll use Burbank Big instead of Impact. Maybe I'll use Barlow Condensed instead of, you know, I don't know, Sans Serif Arial, like something basic, right? So energy is extremely important. So with animals and humans, They're very alike and very similar in different ways. And you can use this to sort of base your ideology about how you decide to make your your content. It goes like this. Humans are the only species in the entire world that will follow an unstable leader. We are the only species in the entire world that will follow a leader that is unstable. Because what we value as humans is money, fame, and power. And what animals value is natural, simple, and profound. So what does that mean? That means animals, the the leader that the animal follows, whether it's a lion, an elephant, a bee, a gorilla, no matter the animal, they are always going to default to following the calmest, confident leader. There's also two other emotions in that, but I'll just give you the two. Calm, confident leader. So when you think about how you present yourself on the internet, humans intrinsically in our simplest building blocks of how we are, take money, fame, and power out of it, our intuitive spirit wants to follow somebody that is calm, confident. So when you ask the question, you know, is that something you're looking for in your, you know, in when you were kind of studying those eight months of posting these different videos, It's not something I was looking for. It was something that I was generating. That's the difference. I intentionally made videos that I knew psychologically. And that's a question that I get all the time, right? What separates you from other coaches? What separates you? Why why should I listen to you? You have 60,000 followers. Why should I listen to you? And I get it. I completely get it. I understand the apprehension of people. I understand going to my Twitter, seeing that I have a low following and being like, why should I listen to you about content? Bill? I get it. The difference is I have a ridiculously deep 
intrinsic understanding of human psychology and the way that it relates to the consumption of content on the internet. And I teach it in such a way that's engaging, motivational, inspirational, and exciting to the point where if you follow the principles and you do the things that I have researched for four years to do religiously, your chances of failing if you're working with me are almost mitigated to a figure of zero. And it was through that sort of talk and that time, right? That time of really seeing the reactions. And it went further than that. When you say the two comments, right? Is that something that you're looking for? Those two comments? Yeah, but who commented? What were they doing? Who, what do they post? Who follows them? Right? Do they, do they follow esports orgs? Who did I just reach with this video? That the same video tweaked, the same exact video tweaked could not reach him before. So that's kind of the elaborate answer to that question. And there's more to it, of course, but I'll leave it at that. So when it comes to Apex, oh, so E, do you need one? Do you got one? Oh, I was just going to say, so um, with like your in-depth and like the amount of insight you have into content and the way to like connect with people through that, would you say that it's like only a matter of time before your personal pages, such as like your Twitter, which you yourself said that like, obviously it's like not the biggest, but it's also not the smallest. Do you think that you'll be able yeah, to leverage bro. that to basically make it that it's only like a matter of time before you'll be able to have like the same ex results that you're able to get for everybody else with yourself? 100%. Well, I do have the same well, yeah, results. I know, you yeah, to, because see, you're, you've, been, you've been focused more on like, because like the way that people interact and engage with TikTok is just completely different than the way that people interact and engage with Twitter. And I would say that like, yeah, yeah Twitter's like, one of if not the hardest platform to like grow following zone yeah and and that's the thing is i coach everything you know i understand so you have to you have to understand where my thrill came from right if i wanted to grind a million followers i could and i am you know everybody's going down that path my thrill the thing that started this whole thing you know combustion of all these ideas, right? The thing that really started it is I just liked making viral videos. I just liked making videos that got stupid engagement. That was my passion. It wasn't like most people say, oh, you're, you know, make the videos that you're passionate about, which it's, it is good advice to a degree. But what I will say is that's like my passion was making a video, however it needed to be made, right? And seeing how many likes, shares, comments, subscribe, like everything. That was my passion. So you could go on my TikTok and you will see million view, million view, million view, three million view, five million view. Because like, that's what I love. I didn't care about my followers. Not once in that whole time was I worried about my follower account. But, you know, once I start coaching, I, I, am, not, I am not delusional to the fact that people are more likely to engage and listen to you if you have a higher follower account. So to your question... Yes. And it's only a matter of time. And as time goes on, I'm going to be proven historically correct over and over and over again. And I understand. See, most people are scared of time. I love it. I love time because I know that I'm working with it and not against it. Time is happening for you and not to you. 
So with those things being said, I know that in time, everything that is supposed to fall into place is, and it already is. So it, it depends on, you know, the, the, and that's the interesting thing is it's just, it, what that comes down to is just what I valued. What I valued was making high engagement videos. Follower was not, not, never once did I look at my followers and I was like, oh, I just want 100K. I just want 500K. I just want, I, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. That, and that's true. I'm being completely sincere with you guys. I don't care. You know, the only reason I kind of, you know, understand the value behind it now is because, like you said, leverage. So I understand that, of course. Okay. So something specific when it comes to Apex, since we are not technically a tier one eSport, we're close. Um, but as Fall has said um, in, our, in his interview, he said that it's not quite a tier one eSport, but we're on our way. And I agree. Um, when it comes to that, that means that sometimes maybe our price pooling isn't as high as other esports, and uh, there's maybe less tournaments, or the, like mainly just the prize money uh, is lower. Therefore, it's harder to make a living just being a pro player, and it mm -hmm. requires that now you have to have some sort of content, unless you're the best player in the whole entire world. And you just win every single tournament and you can win off earnings. A lot of times people are um, kind of taking their placements and taking their comp and utilizing that and making more content for themselves and becoming kind of a content creator slash player. Um, I would love for you to speak on that and um, maybe some trends that you've seen in that kind of area. Or do you think that that's sustainable um, just mm -hmm. in this economy or, or, or what? Yeah, so you're you're basically asking, you know, with the the reduction or or the the low quote unquote pay that the esport provides is going to content and leveraging content in such a way that gives you financial. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so yes is the answer to your question. Um, the idea with that is the the here's the fundamental problem with that. People have this weird tendency where they <laughs> it's, it's an interesting way to articulate it, right? People have a weird tendency to plan a lot of aspects of their life. But when it comes to content, it seems as though there isn't a fundamental plan that is put in place to get them from point A to point B. It seems as though they kind of wing it. They kind of just go through little motivational phases. They'll post a lot for, you know, six days, two weeks, three weeks, and then they'll kind of go off the grid for a month, you know, and then pro league starts up and then they're scrimming with their team. And then, you know, it, it becomes this whole thing, right? So what I always advise people to do, you know, obviously there's so much like I, this, the answer to this question could go on for literally, this could be a whole podcast in itself. You know, but the, the fundamental thing that I would recommend doing is if you can, if you have the financial means to do it, hiring an editor is a good idea. It's just good business. You reduce the time that you take to make these videos X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it, it gives you a little bit more freedom and a little bit more leverage to make and capture these moments on stream. What I always advise people to do is if, if you cannot... If, if you can't afford or can't, you don't have the means to get an editor at the moment, completely fine. 
We need to focus on your short form content. It's the first thing. Stop. If you do not have short form on lock, there's zero reason for you to be making long form. Like if, if you cannot engage thousands upon thousands and, th- and I mean this respectfully, I don't mean this as a disrespect. If you cannot engage thousands of people in 20 seconds, what makes you think you're going to do that in 10 minutes? You see it? So with that being said, short form content is that vehicle that people can use from learning how to create captivating content that resonates with the other people. Another thing they like to do is, you know, one of the most common questions I get asked is like, you know, fever. And they give me a similar story to what you just told me in pro league, great player, you know, Ben Pred 20 times, 15 times, 10 times, eight times, seven times. And they're like, you know, I'm posting these videos and they're really, but, but they're not doing well. And the first question, you know, and you could, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. Like you could literally Google this. The first question that I usually ask them is what value are you providing? Does your video provide any value to X amount of people, Y, Z? And so you get into this weird rut where, you know, you... You don't, I, I, here's, here's the best way I can articulate it. There's people in pro league that need to, that are very wise about the way that they talk to each other. They talk to their team. They're very, they're very uh, well oriented in their speech and how they deliver their message, but they don't apply that to short form content. They would rather post a video of them 1v3 with an R9, right? Than actually providing content or eat, post the 1v3 with the R9, but can we, teach is there a way we can teach like do a voiceover basically why did you make those decisions yeah right right why did you and this is where you know we get into you know subconscious mind versus conscious mind that's a whole thing too but you know what it's you have to understand that in order to have the financial freedom and to to have and i don't even mean become a millionaire i'm I'm just saying make that extra three to four thousand a month off of content right you can't make three to four thousand a month and not provide value. You you can't. It, it does. It, it, it does. The universe does not work that way. You cannot expect you yourself to wing it. Just completely wing. It's like okay, how did you get good at aiming with the flat line? Well, I sit in the range and I control the recoil. Okay, so what we have to do with your videos and your content? is don't just post a video, wonder why it's not doing good, and then say this isn't a, a, ugh, wow, this isn't a sustainable life. You can't say that. You have to go into the range with your content and practice recoil control over and over and over again until you get to a point where you can confidently shoot any target and no matter what you shoot, where you roll the dice, throw it here, throw it here, have this gun, this gun, you will get a reception with the videos that you're producing and therefore you could get paid. And if you're smart about it, you'll learn how to funnel, which I teach in, you know, I, I teach it. it. It's funneling people from your short form content into your Twitch. You know, that's, that's the fundamental reason, but yes, there, there are definitely ways where this can be a sustainable, especially now with the whole YouTube split that they started, you know, with t- YouTube shorts. I mean, that's huge. You know, and I told I told people too. I was like, you you need to get on this like in October, like last October, you know, so that way you have this sort of base built. So when February comes, you're locked and loaded. You know what I mean? So, yeah. 
So you kind of answered uh, my next question a little bit right there, but I'm, I'm interested to see if there's anything else. My question was going to be, uh, what's a mistake that you see a lot of like either newer content creators or even people who have like a base following from something else that they do who are trying to leverage their way into content? You you named one right there. It's kind of like mm-hmm. your, your content's not providing value. Is there any more like technical stuff that they make mistakes on? Uh, something that you see, maybe you've talked about different fonts that maybe don't jump out at people, the energy, anything that comes to yeah. mind technically that they're doing wrong that at least like, obviously don't give away your full uh, bag of tricks here, but just, no, you know, know, something little to, to kind of be like, Hey, if you're making this mistake, try to adjust. Yeah. So, you know, tactical advice, right? The, here, here are some basic things. One, get your format, right? I would rather you take, if you're, if you're completely new, just downloaded Adobe Premiere, you know, completely new, take the three to four hours and get your format and your presets dead on perfect. Perfect. You know, Will, Will Smith's uh, dad said it best. You know, I, when he taught him how to build in life, he said, you need to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can possibly be laid. Do not lay another brick to build this house unless this brick is laid as perfectly as a brick can possibly be laid. That is your format. You need to do your format in such a way that shows your face, shows your emotion, shows your reaction. Have that, you know, white font. I, I'm not even crazy about fonts. Like, that, that's the thing. Is it re- When you really look in the nitty-gritty of this, it doesn't really matter. But yes, format. And then, you know, it's funny because if you asked me three years ago, Four years ago, I would have said the key to TikTok is you, you got to get somebody's attention in eight seconds. And then three years ago, if you asked me that question, I would have said six seconds. Two years ago, I would have said four seconds. Last year, I would have said two seconds. Now we're looking at literally 0.5 to one second. If you do not have look, people's attention spans are going to zero. Going to zero. Like if you cannot capitalize on that first one second, you're finished. So, yeah, tactically, you have to learn how to present yourself in such a way where you can capture an emotion quicker than the next guy. And then, you know, I have a, a very deep, I guess, psychological answer to that question, which if you want to hear it, I could give it. But if we don't have time, that's fine, too. But yeah, th- tactically, that's what I would say. So would you describe yourself as a content coach or more as an energy coach masquerading as a content coach? (laughs) That's a good question. It's a really good question. I provide what you need. And oftentimes people realize a couple months or even weeks after collaborating with the community and talking with me and making their content that they need a lot more than just a content mentor. And I'm very aware of that. And it's important to me that if people have a week where their anxiety is high, they just had an argument with their girlfriend, they just had an argument with their boyfriend, something's going on with their mom, their mom's not feeling too hot, you know, she's in the hospital. It's important to me that I am a person where you can DM and maybe I don't need to know all your personal problems and maybe I'm not there to be, you know, I'm not a licensed therapist or anything like that, but maybe I can lessen your load. Maybe I can edit a video for you. 
maybe I can take care of, you know, some, some backend stuff, right? Write your descriptions for you, crank out your, your hashtags, you know, drop by your stream, you know, gift you a couple subs, you know, that, that stuff I'm very conscious of, you know, I'm very conscious that people are kind of in a position where they are comparing themselves to others and they're letting other people's opinions of themselves dictate the decisions that they're making in their life. And that's why I usually open up with what is, what do you want? Like, where do you honestly see yourself? I've had people come to me and literally say, I want to be a millionaire and I want to do this for a living. And I said, let's go. I'm being completely honest. And, you know, so to answer your question, I am what they need. And that is amongst other things is what I genuinely believe separates me from others. I really believe it. You know, because you're not going to come in and just get a PDF of step one, step two, step three, and then I might message you a week. No, no, it's bullshit. That was a great question, though. I like that question. Appreciate you. So going along with, you know, making sure you give the right energy, there has mm -hmm. to be some stuff you have to study, too, with the algorithm, because people always talk about the algorithm, what it's doing. Then it switches. Now what is it doing? And it's kind of like a big conversation that's always going back and forth. Uh, from your studies, from what you've seen, how much stock should you put into the algorithm comparative to how much you should put into just your energy and making sure your presets are right and just having that format going into it? Like, what is the what is the pie chart on that? Yeah, so we're going to end the whole algorithm discussion right now because, okay, the algorithm, here's the honest truth, and this is how it goes. People, the algorithm is probably, in my personal opinion, the biggest lie that content creators are being taught today. It is fundamentally one of the worst things that you could ever blame for your content not performing well. If you blame the algorithm for the reason that your content is doing well, you are living in La La Land. The way that, is there an algorithm, right? Let's start there. Is there an algorithm? The answer to that question is yes. There is an algorithm, okay? Where people miss it is you have to understand that the algorithm is not this code that once you crack this code you're in this all-knowing beautiful magical place where you can post any video and the algorithm's just going to gift you views and you just have 50,000 views, 100,000 views. It's not this that people talk about the algorithm that it's like, "Oh bro, once you're in the algorithm, you're set." No, that's not that's not how it works. You have to understand who is liking and sharing and commenting on your videos. People, people are doing that without people. Let's say there's zero people on TikTok. There's nothing for the algorithm to do. There, there's nothing. The algorithm, the algorithm is predicated upon people. People are liking your videos. People are commenting on your videos. People are going to your Twitch and following you. People are going from your TikTok to your YouTube, checking out your long form videos, coming back to TikTok, watching your TikTok live. That's what it is. It's people. So it, it cracks me up when people say, oh, I just bought this guide to, to learn about the algorithm. It's like, dude, you're going from J to K 
I'm going from A to Z. A starts with you. Z starts with the, cons- the customer, the consumer, the person that is interacting with your content. That's Z. And the algorithm is just somewhere in between. Does the algorithm help you once you are making videos that are, you know, good, quote unquote? Yeah, because what ends up happening is you're making good quality videos that offer value, provide value, encourage engagement, and the algorithm sees that and says, okay, well, if he's providing this much value, if this much, if this many people are resonating with his video, her video, whatever it is, then yeah, we are more likely on a scientific, on a scientific mathematical level to go ahead and take that arbitrary number generation, whatever you want to call it, and distribute it across, you know, you know, distribute it across different people that are living in different countries throughout the world. That's just, that's just how it works, you know? So that's what the algorithm is. It's the best way I could describe the algorithm. So essentially it's just, it's more important just to focus on, you know, making sure you are, what you're bringing into the arena can hold up. It's everything. Yeah. It's literally everything. Awesome. Uh, One of my last questions here, this is, this one's always interesting too, because I feel like this debate happens all the time with every different social media platform it seems like oh uh you know and going back to algorithm talk it'll be like oh tiktok changed their algorithm start looking at youtube start looking at the and then twitch changes something okay let's start looking at youtube give me Mm -hmm. your straight up answer where should somebody be focusing their time now I, i know like the broad honest answer has always been Focus on all of your content. Make sure it's all good. Make sure it's all going to the right spots at the right times, whatever. But mm-hmm. is there a platform right now that somebody who is new or trying to gain traction into this game, is there one that you should be eyeing and just lock on that for a little bit and then try to grow the other ones along the way? Wh- which one's the top dog? That's a great question. The answer is all of them, which I know is not what you want to hear, but it's the truth. And the idea is do not become a slave to one of them. And the, I, the, the best advice that I can give you is capitalize on the platform that is favoring you. So what do I mean by that? Let's say you have a TikTok, you know, a, a TikTok post that you also post on YouTube shorts because they're fundamentally the same thing. Pretty much anybody, if you have an editor, if you edit a short, you're going to post on both TikTok and YouTube. That's just standard. You could Google that. But here's where it gets interesting. Say you post on YouTube. Let, let's say you're, you're, you're just starting. You know, you're just starting. You're streaming. You're making the content. You know, doing all that. You know, not, not someone like Enoch who's already kind of, you know, he's already kind of set in Twitch. You know, he already has a following. He has his brand. He, he's, he's, he's on Twitch, right? I'm talking about the new person. The new person that is just getting into streaming. Here's what you should do. Let's say you have YouTube and let's say you post on TikTok. I'll just say shorts for you know the sake of the conversation. You post a short, one on YouTube, one on TikTok. Let's say the YouTube one gets 18,000 views out of nowhere. You, you wake up in the morning, you're like, holy shit, this got 18,000 views. This is crazy. But then you go on TikTok and you're like, oh, this on the same video on TikTok only got 600. Guess what platform you're going live on that day? YouTube. Why? Because there's traffic. When there's traffic, it's it's like think of it this think of it this. Here's what here's what streamers. This is where they miss the mark, right? 
when you go to see a concert, say you go to see Ed Sheeran, okay? Going to see Ed Sheeran. When does Ed Sheeran walk out and perform? When everybody is in the fucking seats. When the asses are in the seats, that's when he comes out and performs. So you need to learn how to leverage the platform that you're posting on. So if you have 16,000 people, you're getting a lot of traffic. It is probably more wise for you to go live on YouTube that day because there's more likely going to be a bigger audience that are in their seats ready for you to perform. And then that way you can leverage that to engage your content, talk about, you know, X, Y, Z, talk to, you know, talk. And this is where people miss it too. Like if you go to somebody's stream, this is a, this is a big thing that I, I want to mention here. If you go to somebody's stream that has less than 15 viewers, test this out. I'm being completely serious. Ask them, like go to somebody's random stream with less than 15, uh, you know, 15 viewers. Ask them, would you be streaming differently right now if you had 10,000 viewers? And all, almost all of them w- would say yes. Almost all of them would be like, yeah, maybe I would engage more. Maybe I'd be posting more content because I know people would view it. Like you have to do, you can't, you have to do the things as if you already have them. You have to, you have to, you, that's, that's the way you have to function, you know? So it's like, when it comes to like, if you're, if you're popping on YouTube for a day, go live on YouTube for a day. If you are popping on TikTok for a week, crank, I posted a Hogwarts legacy TikTok that got, I think almost 4 million views. I went live that day just for fun, literally just for fun. And I was with my wife. We, we, we did it for about 15 minutes. I had over a thousand viewers. Because I, I, it's like a river. It's a river. It's like if you build the dam in the middle of the river, the audience, the water, is just going to slam into you. Right? So you have to put yourself in front of where the attention is. You have to generate the attention, and then you have to perform in front of the attention, the audience, whatever it may be. We're all performers. Streamers are entertainers. That's the fundamental of what you are doing as a job, is you are entertaining. You know, so that's kind of my perspective on it. What are your thoughts about the MNK versus controller debate, which is one that seems to be never ending and really just the mindset behind the majority of MNK players? This is a phenomenal question. Um, How much time do I have? Because I can answer this in like about five minutes. I'm being completely sincere. Is that fine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. the the best way to articulate it is this. Let let let's talk up. Let's talk about the human mind for a second. You have two states of thinking within your mind. You have the subconscious and you have the conscious. Ninety five percent of your thought throughout the day is in your subconscious mind. This is what scientists. It wasn't always like that. Scientists used to think it was closer to ninety two eight, where it was ninety two percent subconscious and eight percent conscious. Now we're looking at ninety nine ninety five five. Right. So there's a principle in your subconscious mind that's called auto-suggestion. And what auto-suggestion is, is it's basically, it trains your brain to understand that it already knows the answer to something, you know? So an example of this would be somebody that's trying to manifest, quote unquote, a million dollars. They'll say, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. You know, whereas auto-suggestion, what it teaches you is it would reframe that question. It would reframe the question in such a way that goes like this. It would say the intelligence of my subconscious mind already knows the steps I have to take in order to become a millionaire. 
What that does, and this is scientifically proven, is it takes that principle, it takes that phrase, and it convinces your mind that it already has a blueprint of doing everything that it's supposed to achieve. This has been done by some of the greatest people that have ever lived in their entire life. Nikola Tesla did 90, like almost all of Nikola Tesla's inventions were done through his subconscious mind. He has interviews about it back in the 1800s, late 1800s. Magnus Carlsen, the chess player, he operates through his subconscious mind. You know, Bruce Lee, same exact thing. These are people that have gone on record. Jackson Pollock, the drink painter. These are people that have gone on record. And they say it's not deliberate. It's not random. It's somewhere in between. So when you talk about the controller to M&K debate, it's funny. I, you know, I, I think about this a lot. And by the time they get into the game, M&K players already convince themselves that they can't win a close range fight against a controller player. Like, but they wake up thinking that, and I want to be clear when I say this, I am not an apex coach, you know, I'm not a Raven, I'm not a, a Hadze, I'm not, I don't do that. But what I do know is that on a psychological standpoint, they're already putting themselves in a losing battle. So it's like, okay, you, you talk about people that, you know, let's talk about ALGS, right? Why is TSM so dominant? Well, on a psychological standpoint, they do a really good job at what's called normalization. They normalize everything that they do. So the idea of waking up, going on stage, performing, having a crowd, it's more normal to them than the average person. So somebody that's, I'm really into MMA, and I've trained with people that are both in the UFC and 1FC. And once one of the amazing things that my coach will do is he will put the, he will set up the room prior to a fight as if with the octagon and everything, he will set up the room as if he's getting ready to walk out and actually take the fight that night. So he will dim the lights. Volunteers, they would be, you know, standing, you know, around and they would basically, it would act, you know, walk out music, the whole thing, because it's normalization. It gets you accustomed to doing things that you're meant to do. So with M&K players, it's interesting, right? Because with M&K players, it's like they are already claiming in their mind that they're going to lose these one-on-one close range fights with controller players when and what they have to do is they have to you know utilize auto suggestion to a degree i'm not saying literally do that but the idea and the principle is that you can really you can win those close range fights you really can and you can put yourself in a position to where it becomes more normal and the more normal it becomes the more likely you are going to be to succeed on those levels it's a really great answer and and definitely one from as someone who's also done a decent amount of research and time spent over the last few years into mindset everything that you said was absolutely on point and i would do you agree 100 do you agree no i mean okay like because you play the game more than i do like as someone who plays the game i mean i granted i am a controller player so i i I haven't had that experience as being like an mnk high level player um but 100 percent, if it's very 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 clear to everybody that mnk players at large so other than maybe like Capra, I think is like one of like Capra, Cody, uh, Sauce. Yuka. Yeah. Yubin. Yeah. So like they're. Yuka. Yuka. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yuka. Like there are only like a few M&K players whose confidence in their mechanics is absurdly high. And the majority of the time when they do have those close range controller fights, especially in ranked, when you, when you see people running around with the same skins, you know who you're fighting, you know that they're on controller. They definitely in their head have the understanding that like, Oh, I'm not going to win this fight because I'm on a McKay and they're on controller. 
And and when it comes to everything you said about subconscious mind versus conscious mind, everything was on point up to everything that I've learned about it and my own studies in the field. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, once again, Nine Fever, thanks for hopping on the pod. If you guys want to check out his program, you can go on to the Twitter account. It was the new one, right? Fever. Uh, yeah, Fever's Mind. Fever's Mind. You can head on down to Fever's Mind. The link will be in the description. You can click there and get some coaching. Figure out what you need to do for your content. Fever, thanks for hopping on. Thanks, Thank you once again as well for the great insight into the world of viral videos and content. We appreciate, we appreciate having you on, and uh, we'll bring you back again soon. Thank you for having me, man. All right. Once again, big shout out to Nine Fever for hopping on the show, giving us some insight on content creation. Boys and girls, we've actually had some, comp some competitive Apex to talk about here recently. We have Twitch Rivals that dropped on the day, I believe, Season 16 dropped with the Team Deathmatch uh, Twitch Rivals, which is very interesting. And then we also have some Pro Scrims news, some uh, certain players playing for different teams. Finn, you got the rundown on some of that news there. Kick it off for us real quick. Yeah, so Twitch Rivals, it was really fun. I think it was interesting to see... Uh, you know, this is 6v6 with a bunch of different content creators. I thought it was a like, I don't know. It was pretty interesting. It did get a little campy towards the end of like games because people didn't want to die. And obviously you have to be a little bit more strategic, but congrats to Sweet Dreams and 72 Hours um, and their squadrons. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a very interesting thing to see TDM in a competitive light. Um, and yeah, I... I I don't know. I think it's just a fun little one-off mode at the current moment. You know, uh, it's a great warm-up, and it was just very interesting to see from a competitive level. I guess is what uh, is what I'm thinking. But yeah, congrats to them. Um, and to kind of go along with what Wyatt said is uh, a little bit of a recap. This we are recording on a Tuesday night, so the scrims just got done not that long ago, and. What we saw from the first night of scrims is that ESA or Complexity or whatever they choose to be is playing. So it would be uh, Cody and Luda are playing with Monsoon as IGL. And then I saw, even though we did think that uh, Snipe was going to be playing with Phony and Luda, it seems like somehow Snipe and Phony are going to be playing with Frex, um, formerly of SSG. I don't know how they're going to be able to make it to Pro League unless they finesse some sort of spots. So I don't really know if that team's going to last. But they looked really good in scrims tonight. And then it looks like Oxygen is running with Zenile. So Crook obviously uh, got dropped. And then they're they're running with Zenile, also formerly SSG. So uh, I one thing to note is one thing to note is that Optic got last place. Tripods got. 19th place which is like a whoa uh, tsm got first of course second place was furia um and i just i don't know very interesting to see different types of comps uh and and the pick the pick rates for tonight were valkyrie number one seer number two bangalore number three wraith number four catalyst number five and i just think that that's very interesting we'll see how the meta progresses um, as more and more of these pro scrims happen and people kind of figure out what they're wanting to do when it comes to strategy wise. But yeah, that is the, I guess, overview of ranked and or overview of competitive esque stuff that has been going on. And we'll keep you updated with all of that. Um, 
Yeah, going into Pro League as we are in the quote-unquote, I guess, off-season, but in between the two seasons right now. I'm expecting a full resurgence from Furia coming into the second split. I'm ready to see like a heated Furia team barely missing out on the first split to come into the second split and just dominate. I'm ready for I'm ready for that. I'm sure everybody else is as well. I think competitive Apex is better when Furia is involved. So that's all the news. That'll just about wrap it up for the news section of everything going down in pro league right now and i do agree that twitch rivals are very interesting hopefully they do more stuff with team deathmatch moving forward remember when arenas first came out they tried to have like a lot of cool tournaments with it arenas was just not not good it just wasn't wasn't very fun wasn't very good but they can do a lot more stuff moving forward with mixtape and all the stuff going along with that so i'm very excited to see that moving forward also quick little note quick little news note for the casuals out there there was for one day you could go into the private matches and you could have a team death match with your friends. You could have a control match with your friends and a gun run map with your friends in private matches. It was only up for a day. They took it down, but I believe it's going to be coming back mid season with, uh, with a collection event. So keep your eyes on that. Cause remember how frustrating it was to, to, finally get private matches but you had to have 30 in a lobby i think they might be moving forward with something like this in the future if they were all, if they already had it ready to go for a day we'll see where it goes in the future these are just the rumors i've heard so far so we'll see how that goes okay all right ladies and gents let's round out the show with the heart to heart All right, ladies and gents, it is heart to heart time, heart to heart time. Boys, who wants to go first? I mean, I'll go. I go quickly. I I don't really have a heart to heart this week. I'll be honest. So, and that's okay. So, no, that's totally I'm going to pass okay. it on to you two on the heart to heart. Uh, I'll do mine also real quick. I kind of talked about it at the beginning of the show. Uh, just my road trip was awesome. It was really cool. Um. I wish my family was there with me. I had to go by myself, uh, but it was, it is, I think, I guess my heart to heart would be sometimes you do got to spend some alone time with yourself and uh, you know, it's tough being away from, from the ones that you love. But I do think a good, a good few days, just you chilling with yourself is, is good to tr- like sort through some thoughts where if you're always surrounded by people, Sometimes you push certain thoughts to the side and you don't want to really deal with them at the time. But having 63 hours on the road to myself, I, I think I figured out some things that uh, I needed to figure out. So um, some downtime, some alone time was really good. Very positive. It was good for me. Loved the trip. Uh, congratulations to my sister on getting married. That's my heart to heart. E. My my heart to heart, I don't, I don't have anything that's been like super crazy that's been standing out. I did have uh, a really great conversation with uh, one of the guys in my congregation who's 16 years old uh, and he does homeschooling and stuff. And I was talking with him about like different things that he could be doing to uh, be like working on and just like setting himself up for when he's like going to become an, an adult in just a few years. Um, and w- and he he was telling me that like w- he didn't have like, a lot of motivation to like 
get around and like do all this additional stuff than like what he has to like do. And one of the things that I, I told him to think about was like, okay, like, do you want to be poor? And just like, just having that be like something that like he thinks about and like the idea of like how he has an opportunity of like two years ahead of him where he has like almost no responsibilities that he could take and he could work and like do something that he enjoyed doing and find a way to like make it something that he could set himself up for, for the rest of his life. It's like, cause I mean like building a personal brand is something that you can, if you do it in the right way and then you implement it like more and more things as you go, you can live off of a personal brand for the rest of your life. And that with the opportunity that he had, he's never going to have like more time in order to like get ahead in terms of that, because he doesn't have like, like that job that like all of these other responsibilities that you get as you get older. And so that, uh, that was something that hopefully, you know, he told me he was going to start looking into drop shipping again. Cause he had done that in the past. Um, and then just doing other stuff and just, to anybody who's out there who's just like lacking motivation to like get stuff done like you own like just take advantage of like all of the opportunities that you have because you might not have like two years of living at your parents house like chilling like the guy that i was talking to today but like regardless of where you're at you do have the time to like put in that extra work to get into accomplish like the things that you want in life and like i'm not saying like money is everything but like life is definitely easier in a lot of aspects when you do have that and it's something that is out there and is like not easily accessible but like if you put in the work and you find something that you're passionate about doing and you like get all the stuff that you have done and then you like put time to work in on that. There's no reason why each and every single person who is listening to this, like couldn't find a way to make money online doing something that they care about. And, and so I guess my, my heart to heart would be to just encourage people in that. And I think a, a movement that you might be seeing more of is like the idea um, and I actually, what I was, I was pulling up, like, there's a guy named Jake Youngblood, uh, Jakey. Yeah. And so he's a guy who I, I listened to one of his like live talks that he was doing with another guy. Um, and the, the focus of it all was like the idea of having, um, irrational optimism and just having that be like the mindset that you go about as through your approach things. So if you have the idea of like, okay, I'm going to like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm like going to get this done. And then you approach it from this irrationally optimistic point of view that you're going to be in the right mindset and being in the right state and then going about and doing all of the right things because of that irrational optimistic attitude that you have. And then it really just saves you from like a lot of like the negative pitfalls and a lot of like those negative thought processes that you can end up going down. Um, and so my heart to heart would just be like irrationally being irrationally optimistic is definitely something that I think you'll be hearing more and more, more of, uh, moving forward. And it's definitely something that I like got to where I'm at because of the idea of like, I knew that I was going to be able to achieve all the things that I was setting out to do. 
And it was because of that belief combined with the immense amount of hard work, time, energy, and effort that I put in that led to the result of where I'm at. And there's like no reason that whoever is listening to this can't find like what they want to do and then apply that work, apply that irrational optimism to it and just make things happen and, and get out of life what they want and, and being able to help others and just everything. All right. That's perfect. That's awesome. That should just about do it for the heart to heart. And ladies and gents, that should just about do it for this episode of the apex, the podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. Don't forget to head on down to the link down below. Click on it. You can check out all of our socials and all of our endeavors off pod. You'll be able to see it all there. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next week. See you.